You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. And if you read through the scripture, the order is God, man, and the woman. But please, don't think I'm making women subservient to men. I am not. Jesus Christ did more for equality for women than anybody. There's none. We're all equal in the eyes of the Lord. There is no male, no female, but all in all in Christ. Remember that. But God has an order to things. And when the order is out of whack, lives go out of whack. You have probably heard that God is a God of order, but why? Why is He a God of order? In today's message, Pastor Dave will help you answer that question. He'll share with you how things don't turn out so well when you go against God's order of things that are detailed in the Bible and actually can go very bad. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Kings chapter 21 as he begins his message, The Lawlessness of Ahab and Jezebel. You are assured Ahab had fallen into idolatry when he permitted his wife Jezebel to bring in the worship of Baal into Israel. And this spread like wildfire. They put up the high places for worship. They they, they even built a temple for Baal in the center. And they tried to put down the worship of the Lord God Jehovah. They tried to put him down. And when you turn away from the truth found in God's word and you start believing the lie, eventually... It multiplies into more lies. It's like a little snowball you put on top of the hill and you start to roll it down and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And eventually you begin to love the lies. And eventually you can't tell the difference between the lies and the truth. And after that, the lies take control of your life. This is the way of sin. This is the way what sin does. Sin doesn't start out blatantly. It starts out minusculely, and and it grows, and it starts to fester. And all of a sudden, we're caught in the middle of it. But as you know, because you're students of God's Word, sin carries a heavy wage. Sin carries a heavy wage. Because we know that the wages of sin is death. And as we come now into this chapter, we're going to see this lawlessness, this open lawlessness to God. It's almost like they're thumbing their nose at God and saying, we're going to do whatever we want to do. And we don't care. God cares. God cares greatly. And this is going to be, lead to the end of Ahab. It's going to lead to his destruction. Let's look at verses 1 through 4. Chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. And it came to pass after these things that Naboth, the Jezreelite, had a vineyard which was in Jezreel next to the palace of, king, of Ahab, the king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard that I may have it for a vegetable garden because it is near next to my house and for it I will give you a vineyard better than it or if it seems good to you I will give you its worth in money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. So Ahab went into his house sullen and displeased because the word which Naboth 
the Jezreelite had spoken to him, for he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my fathers. And he lay down on his bed, turned away his face, and would eat no food. King wanted a vegetable garden. He saw Naboth's vineyard, and he said, wow, what a great place for a garden. Eminent domain? I don't know. He decided he would take the garden. He decided he wanted it. After all, it's right next to the palace. How convenient. I can walk out my door and I can go pick my figs. I can go look at my pomegranates. I can go look at my kumquats and all that other stuff that may grow that you'll see in Israel when we get there. But Naboth said, no way. His rejection on the otherwise reasonable offer, it seemed reasonable, but it was rooted in the ancient Israelite idea to the land. Who owned the land? God. God owned the land. It was his land. They almost rented it. It was almost given to them. Remember when Joshua crossed the Jordan into a land that I will give you? God gave them this land. It was their land. God lent it to them and they could use it. This was an inheritance from God. God divided it between the 12 tribes and their families according to his will. And because of this, they weren't supposed to sell the land. Only under the direst of circumstances, they were not supposed to sell the land. But Ahab wanted the land really bad to the point where he coveted it. Covet means to feel an inordinate desire for something that belongs to somebody else. I want it, you have it, I should have it. It looks good on you, so I should have it. What's interesting here is the Ten Commandment, thou shalt not covet, is the Tenth Commandment. It's the Tenth Commandment of God. You can find that in Exodus 20, 17. It may be the last, but it might be the most difficult to obey. Covetousness comes into us all. It really does. You know, you see that hot car drive by, guys, and you go, oh, man, that's sweet. Or for some of us, you see that nice boat drive by, and you go, hmm, well, that would look good. I'd look good behind that, wouldn't I? You know? You see a dress, ladies. You see something. I mean, come on. Something that we think. But why is it the most difficult to obey? Because a covetous heart leads us to disobey all the other commandments of God. The first nine commandments focus on the forbidden outward conduct, making and worshiping idols, stealing, murdering, adultery, and those kind of things. But this one commandment deals specifically with the desire of the heart. And who is supposed to be the desire of our heart? God, of course, of course. But when you desire something else, when somebody else has it, so Naboth says, no way. I'm not giving you the land. And being a king and being the better man, Ahab palled it. He went up to his room, he went out back and ate dirt. I don't know what he did. He went up to his room, held his breath. Look what it says. Come on. He went to his house sullen and displeased. He was sullen and displeased. You know, when we become materialistic, this kind of thing happens. What am I trying to say? Ahab was the king. Do you remember the palace that Solomon built? Remember that house that Solomon built? Now, this wasn't the same house, but it was just as opulent. It was just as magnificent. Ahab was a king, meaning he could have whatever he wanted and probably had whatever he wanted. But if you are materialistic, what happens? That's not enough. I want more. I got to have more. I'm not happy unless I have that. And even better, I'm not happy unless I have what you have and more. 
That's what materialism does to you. It fries your brain. We see this everywhere. People who have so much, they always want more, and they don't matter who it is. The more materialistic you are, the more you want. But you got to credit Naboth. I like this guy. He was more interested in obeying God's word than pleasing the covetous king. It cost him dearly, but he was more interested in pleasing God than the king, even though it might have been a fair price. Enter Miss Lovely, the queen Jezebel. Let's read 5 through 10. But Jezebel, his wife, came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so sullen that you do not eat no food? And he said to her, Because I spoke to Nahoth, the Jezreelite. No, he said, Because I spoke to Naboth, the Jezreelite, and he said, and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else, if it pleases you, and I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. Then Jezebel, his wife, said to him, you now, you now exercise authority over Israel. Arise, eat food, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. And she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, and sent letters to the elders and the nobles who were dwelling in the city of Naboth. And she wrote letters saying, Proclaim a fast, and seat Naboth with high honor among the people, and seat two men, scoundrels, before him to bear witness against him, saying, You have blasphemed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him that he may die. Old Jezzy, Jezebel. She didn't take lightly to her husband pouting. She didn't take lightly to her husband, the king, who was pouting, so she called him out. He said, listen, guy, if you're not going to do it, I'm going to do it. If you're not going to take care of these people, I'm going to get you what you want. I had to look at this a couple times. I really did. I had to look at this a couple times. We know that Jezebel was a wicked, wicked woman. We know that. We know that she didn't worship the Lord God Jehovah. We know that. But I think there's something else missing here. I get the feeling something else is missing here. Go back all the way to the beginning. Go back to Genesis 3. Adam and Eve had eaten the forbidden fruit from the tree. They had eaten it, and God called them on it. And God called Adam. And Adam's first words, it was the woman you gave me. But God didn't buy that either because he knew that he had eaten also. And so God pronounces what we call the curse. He says in verse 14, So God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And this is the first reference to Jesus Christ, by the way. This is the first reference to the Messiah that would come. Genesis 3.15. And he says to the woman, I will multiply your sorrow and your, and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. And here's where I'm going. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And the wording there is, your desire will be to rule your husband. Your desire will be to rule your husband. But that's not the way God works. If Ahab was the spiritual leader of the household, like he was supposed to be, Jezebel, number one, wouldn't be worshiping Baal, but we would be worshiping the Lord God, Jehovah, and he would have things under control. But because he was a wimp, and he gave her full reign of the house and let her wear the turban in the family, and let her take care of all those things, 
He acquiesced his power to her. That's not God's way. God has an order. God has an order. And if you read through the scripture, the order is God, man, and the woman. But please, don't think I'm making women subservient to men. I am not. Jesus Christ did more for equality for women than anybody. There's none. We're all equal in the eyes of the Lord. There is no male, no female, but all in all in Christ. Remember that. But God has an order to things. And when the order is out of whack, lives go out of whack. Lives get stressed out and problems happen. Ahab didn't do his part as the man of the house. He did not do his part. We need more men to take their position in the house to be the spiritual leaders and not lord it over the woman. That's not what I'm trying to say. If you hear that, you're not hearing me correctly. Go back and listen to the tape. I'm not saying that. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life for them. Ahab did not do that. He didn't take his proper place. So the woman took the place for him. And she circumvents him. Look what she did. She wrote a letter in his name. Used his seal. I mean, she's taking responsibility. Who's the king? I mean, who is the king here? Not only was there a sin of covetousness here, but now we have the sin of bearing false witness. The commandment, do not bear false witness, emphasizes the importance of the truth. Someone said, the truth is the cement that holds society together. When truth is gone, everything falls apart. Look what is happening today. What is truth? What is truth? Well, truth is whatever you decide it to be. If you say it's true, it must be true. What's true for you is true for you. But, you know, that's not right. That's not correct. But the queen never let the truth stand in her way. She was a determined woman, so she fabricated an official lie. Does that make it any better because it's official? No, a lie is a lie, no matter who shares it. She uses official stationery, which basically signs Naboth's death warrant. And even gets religious here. Look at how she tries to pull in religion. Have a fast. Have a fast and have, you know, it's almost like something out of the Godfather. You know, they didn't just kill you. First, they took you to dinner. And they wined and dined you. And they made you feel like you were one of the guys. And then they took you out and whacked you. Here they're having this big dinner for this guy. Have a dinner. Come on. Seat him in the highest place of honor. But seat two scoundrels next to him. And then they'll jump up and say that he blasphemed God. And once they say that, by two, all bets are off. Remember, you have to have two witnesses. You have to have two witnesses to declare someone guilty. Once they said that, the townspeople were weak also. The townspeople were a bunch of weaklings. What did they do? They stoned the guy to death. They believed the lie also. You can, you can sugarcoat and justify the lie all you want, but a lie is a lie is a lie in the eyes of God. The covetous king and then the lies of Jezebel lead to the murder of Naboth. This is a picture of how sin can multiply in our lives. One sin leads to another, and then another, and another. It has a domino effect. It has a domino effect. Let's look at 13, 11 through 13. So the men of the city, the elders, the nobles, who were the inhabitants of this city, did as Jezebel had sent to them, as it was written in the letters which she had sent to them. They proclaimed the fast, seated Naboth with high honor among the people, and two men, scoundrels, came in and sat before him. And the scoundrels witnessed against him, saying, Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth has blasphemed God the king. Then they took him outside the city, and they stoned him with stones so that he was dead. Jezebel says, you're the king, you should have what you want. 
at any cost. That was her thinking. You're the king. You want it. You should have it. Even if it's someone else's, you should take it. You're the king. You deserve it. Remember when Israel wanted a king back in 1 Samuel? Remember how Samuel told them what would happen if they wanted a king? And he mentioned this kind of activity to the people of Israel. Now, this is long, long before this, but he told them, he prophesied, this is going to happen. This is going to happen when you have a king. Jezebel's agreement in the procedure she outlines was centered around the law of all things. Deuteronomy 17, Deuteronomy 19, and Numbers 35. However, the accusation was false. The witnesses were liars. And the judges were paid off and intimidated by the royal family. Cursing God and the king were capital crimes, which the punishment was death. So they carried it out. When you blaspheme God according to God's law, when you, when, when, when you, you curse the king, you die. So now Naboth is out of the picture. The king makes a land grab. Then they sent to Jezebel saying, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth of Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money, for Naboth is not alive but dead. So it was when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab got up and went down to take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. Well, he got out of his funk real fast, didn't he? He really got happy. He was going to get what he wants. Unfortunately, the city where Naboth lived was ruled by weak men also. They conducted an illegal trial. The sad thing about it is, but in 2 Kings 9, 26, it says that they didn't only kill Naboth, but they killed his sons also. They didn't want anybody in the family to come and say, that's my land, to inherit it. Sad situation. So Ahab steals the property. Here you have. He steals the property. And it's really the crux of the matter is that land did not even belong to Nahab, Naboth. It belonged to the Lord. So Ahab was essentially stealing property that belonged to God. Ahab was stealing from God. Ouch. Ouch. Judgment is about to fall. God had had it. God had had it. Let's read verses 17 through 24. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who lives in Samaria. There he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it. You shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, You have murdered and also taken possession? And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, In the place where the dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. So Ahab said to Elijah, have you found me, O oh, oh my enemy? And he answered, I have found you, because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring calamity on you. I will take away your posterity. Cut off from Ahab every male in Israel, both bond and free. I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah. Because of the provocation which you have provoked me to anger and made Israel sin. And concerning Jezebel, the Lord also spoke, saying, The dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. The dog shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field. Oof. Well, so, he who comes against the Lord comes at his own peril. So, judgment was passed. Naboth is dead. 
King Ahab takes the possession of the vineyard, and after six years of silence, here comes Elijah. Six years of silence. It's interesting that Elijah still brings forth the word of God even after six years. Elijah was silent because why? Why was Elijah silent for six years? Because God was silent. God was silent. Elijah only did what God told him to do. Elijah only moved when God told him to move. God was silent, so Elijah was silent. It tells me something. Sometimes God's silent in our lives. What does he want us to do during that time? Have faith. Believe. Move on. What did Jesus say to them about his coming back? Occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. There may be times of silence. There may be time when God doesn't speak. You may be going through a time of silence right now. And you're waiting. When are you going to speak, Lord? When he's ready. Or when he has something to say. He'll speak to you. He will speak to you if you're listening and, and guiding. But he wants you now to remain faithful. He wants you to continue to remain faithful during this time that he's silent. And just because he's silent does not mean he has forgotten about you, does not mean he has shelved you, does not mean he doesn't love you anymore. He's silent because he's God and he can do whatever he wants. He is sovereign. So after six years, God speaks to Elijah. And guess what? Elijah's right there. Elijah's right there, comes right to to Ahab, and he pronounces this judgment. We didn't hear anything about Elijah after he called Elisha. But now God calls him once again, and he gives him a consignment to go confront Ahab about his wicked ways. Elijah tells Ahab, because you have shed innocent blood, your blood will be licked by dogs. Remember when Ahab called Elijah the troubler of Israel? Now he calls him his enemy. Oh, my enemy. He knows. He knows. Actually, it was Ahab and his wife Jezebel who were enemies of the Lord. They were enemies of the Lord. Sentence was passed. Ahab, king of Israel, would die. He would die a dishonorable death, and his blood would be licked up by dogs. And his wife, his co-evildoer, co-evildoer Jezebel, would also die. But she would be eaten by dogs. Everything they did would eventually be eradicated from the land. They had enjoyed years and years of sinful pleasures and selfish pursuits, but judgment had come. God always comes. You can get away with it, and you can get away with it a long time. And I bet all the time they were getting away with it, Ahab, who knew who God was, said, it's not bad, we're getting away with this. God's not doing anything. <laughs> but here comes the interesting part. Here comes the interesting part, folks. In the last part of this chapter, God still throws some grace upon Ahab. He still throws grace upon Ahab. Not that the judgment won't take place. Not that the judgment won't take place, but he's still giving Ahab a chance to repent before the judgment hits. He's still giving Ahab a chance. Look at this. Read this. 25 through 29. But there was, one like, there was no one like Ahab who sold himself to wickedness in the sight of the Lord because Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. You are a sure.
Our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of 1 Kings. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. We encourage you to download these messages so that they're available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel, Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit assurehoperadio.com for times and directions. And if you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of 1 Kings. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from 1 Kings. But until then, we encourage you to read through the Bible on your own and tune in next time on A Sure Hope.